We know you're fascinated by true crime. But how often do you get to hear from the survivors in their own words? I'm Jamie Beebe. And I'm Jake Deptula. We're the host of Strictly Stalking, the true crime podcast that explores the devastating crime of stalking. Every week, our guests reveal the true terror they're facing at the hands of a stalker. And the steps they take to fight back. We're uncovering the real stories you think you've heard, from Tara Newell surviving Dirty John to others you won't hear anywhere else. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, Strictly Stalking, from Cast Media, wherever you listen to podcasts. On January 16th, 2020, a young man goes missing from a Flying J convenience store in Resaca, Georgia. Sometime later, he is found deceased. However, two days after he disappears, a young woman from the same hometown disappears from the same Flying J in Resaca, Georgia but yet she has never been seen again. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Caleb Smith and Keeslyn Roberts. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement somewhere in the bowels of georgia it's a little chilly not too bad though it's supposed to be 29 tonight and it's april jesus i know well we got a some case recommendations from mr david sinclair so mr sinclair if you are listening out there in the wide wide world of sports we have your case suggestions on our list thank you sir for the kind words and Drum roll, I know this is uh, a shocker. We cracked the top 50 in Slovakia. <laughs> Do we get any feedback, though? No, we did not because we only have one confirmed listener, and she said we did a great job. And that's all that matters because <laughs> she has a kick-ass screen name for Instagram. Like, I mean, clearly someone's listening. I mean, Slo- I know Slovakia is not that populated, but it's got more than a million people. So to crack the top 50 of all podcasts. I'm telling you, I will be the David Hasselhoff of Slovakia if it pays well. I mean, we will travel there. We'll do a live show if we have to. Yeah, I mean, with I, nothing but chastity belts on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm pretty pissed off at the unsolved... Uh, I think they listen. I, well, they're overproduced, so they had to have been working on it for a while. But yeah, the... Uh, Unexplained Mysteries podcast released the Max Headroom incident two days after we released the Max Headroom incident. We got to get something together where we can just talk to other podcasts and see what they're covering. Especially a podcast podcast because them some bitches got researchers, they got writers, they got all kinds of stuff to make it way better than us. (laughs) But we did get a five-star review, which I'm proud to say. A new one. That's amazing. We appreciate every single one of you. Uh, Natalie7864 said, love it. Five stars. I stumbled across these guys a bit ago and so glad I did. I'm new to podcasts and this one got me hooked. The only time I listen to any other ones is when is while waiting for a new episode to post. Funny yet informative. 
The coach and Arlo make you feel like you're right there with them. Real people, not a corporation. That's for damn sure. Not only do you get the laughter, you get to go. They, they. Really? <laughs> you get to go on the mysterious journey. They also give great recommendations on other things to watch, to listen to. Keep up the amazing work, guys. You truly make my day, especially in this time of isolation. That's amazing. That's awesome. Uh, we got a Twitter follower that shouted us out, said they they started listening because of your recommendation to the Red Clay podcast. They said that that's amazing and they appreciated us shouting it out. I love that podcast. I want to go down there and talk to Stoney myself and drink his moonshine and his brandy and, and laugh so hard my face hurts. Hopefully one day we can venture out of the basement and get there. That sounds like a damn fine time to me. But in honor of our cases, our case, not cases, well, there's two yeah, people. Yeah, two people. In honor of our case, these two were drinking a very special beer. Very special. It's award-winning. It is. It's very award-winning. It got a blue ribbon. It sure did, and uh, they named it after that. It is Pap's Blue Ribbon. We happen to be drinking this for the special occasion because the two people in question disappeared from the same small town that the coach and it just happens to be my small town where i'm from and to say that you cut your proverbial beer teat chatsworth georgia in murkhanny murkhanny i graduated in the year 2000 from murkhanny high school you graduated in 2000 2000 i've been teaching for a whole year by then (laughs) 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 That's because you're old. I happen, I'm very happy to say that not only, the only two sports I played that year, well, the only two sports I played in high school were both the region champions. We won region in football and wrestling that year. The only time it's ever happened. And that's not a coincidence. However, I could not be more happy that I don't live there anymore. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That town is awful. If you're listening from Murray County, you know it. <laughs> you know I'm telling you the truth. Get the fuck out of there. Like, run. As fast <laughs> as you can. <laughs> but, yes, however, um, my beer-drinking escapades happen to start in that county, and I'm very proud of that. So, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative that that's where I grew up, but, Jesus Christ, do I not want to live there? And I'm not going back. You can't make me. Ever. Never say never. The The happiest day of my life was when my mama moved out of that town. So now I have no reason to go to it. None whatsoever. When I was in high school, I watched Extreme Championship Wrestling. And there was a wrestler named Just Incredible who had the greatest t-shirt of all time. And I wanted it so bad. All it said was, I hate this town. <laughs> and I found it one time in the Dalton Mall. Hot Topic. The Dalton Mall. The Dalton Mall. At Spencer's or Hot Topic, but they only had it in small. And me being a portly gentleman, <laughs> couldn't couldn't, sque- couldn't squeeze into it, so I had to turn it down. Anyway, moving on to the case. This is extremely strange. And we begin our journey on January 16th, 2020. Caleb Nathaniel Smith from Chatsworth, Georgia told his grandmother 
that he was going to the nearby city of Rome to hang out with some friends for a couple of hours. No, that's not that near of a city. It's at least an hour drive from Chatsworth to Rome. But there's two ways to get to the interstate if you're going south in Murray County. There's two major, our major highways, 411 and 225. And if you're going to Rome, you got no damn reason to go on 411. So you always go on 225, always. By the Elks Club golf course. Yep, you should damn right. You uh, for I have pounded many a beer on that the, golf course in Gordon County. For uh, if if you want to walk the course in the summertime, it's fifteen dollars all you can walk. You can play all damn day, but you're walking <laughs> anyway. Before you get to the Elks Golf Club golf course. When you're traveling down 225, there's only one way to get to the interstate, and that is right through Resaca, Georgia, which is where both our uh, missing persons end up, in Resaca. So he asked his grandmother to leave the deadbolt unlocked because he was planning on returning home that night, albeit at a later time. Now, the, the biggest thing when he ends up at the Flying J, the biggest question that in my research I couldn't figure out is when exactly he left his house. Yeah, I couldn't find that either. There's a whole lot of, well, I, we'll just, I'll go ahead and, and then you can stop me there. But before heading to Rome, Caleb stopped to get gas at the Flying J gas station slash truck But here's stop. the thing. He's at the Flying J after midnight. Yeah, near State Route 136 and I-75. So like Coach stated, what he's doing there to get gas, no one knows. Here, But here's the thing is everyone... In the research is saying that, yeah, he left his house to hang out with his friends and he stopped for gas on the way. But at that time of night, his grandmother probably would have been in bed because you're, you're probably looking at 12 o'clock. If he arrived at it, this says um, he's seen on video surveillance at 1232. So he at the latest, I would say, left what, 1215? Well, what I'm saying is that at that time, either I'm thinking he's on his way home. Uh, I see where you're going, but yeah, I mean that's the only way that makes sense. Of course, how old is he? He's very young. We're old. We go to bed eighteen at, or nineteen. I think. Yeah, we're old. We go to bed at like ten o'clock, at the latest. So eighteen, nineteen year old. When we were that age, we didn't start hanging out. I remember in college, we didn't leave Lebanon, Tennessee, until two thirty in the morning because the club. We had a buddy that was on the football team whose dad owned an after-hours club that didn't fucking open till 3 in the morning. And we would head from Lebanon to Nashville, which is like a 30-mile drive, at 2.30 in the morning to start partying at 3. I couldn't imagine that right now. <laughs> I'd be like, y'all have fun. <laughs> yeah. but, so you, but that's my thinking. To me, I'm thinking that he's on his way home. But there's... Everything you look up, Reddit, YouTube, Web Sleuth, Web Sleuth, the uh, the actual news articles, everything says that he was on his way. Yeah, and it, like I stated, he's seen on video surveillance entering the truck stop at twelve thirty two a.m. And now this truck stop, according to the Google machine, is only twenty eight miles from Rome. Now the camera shows one male customer sitting alone at a table in the Denny's restaurant section of the truck stop. Caleb is seen sitting down at a different table facing the man. A few minutes later, he calls his grandmother to inform 
her that he was not going to Rome due to the fact that he didn't have enough gas to get there. He then informs her he was going to ask someone at the Flying J for $5 for gas. Caleb is seen going over and talking to the man on two separate occasions. It is not known whether he gave Caleb money for gas or not. And here's the thing. Here's a very what-the-fuck moment. When they discover his car, they're going to discover that he has half a tank, which is plenty to, to get, get there to and Rome back. and all the way back. Yeah. Now, after the second conversation, Caleb goes and sits back down alone at the table facing the man. He then gets up and leaves the gas station, never to be seen alive again. Caleb's grandmother started getting very worried when he did not return home by Friday morning, January 17th. So she decides to drive over to the Flying J. Once she arrives at the Flying J, she sees Caleb's car parked in the parking lot on the Denny side of the truck stop in the back parking lot. This put Caleb's car out of sight of any cameras. She stated that she observed, quote, a suspicious white Nissan in the parking lot. This alarms her, so she decided to stay in the car. And it alarmed her so much, she calls two family members to come be with her. When the family members arrived, the white car drove off. It is unknown if the car has anything to do with what happened to Caleb, but Caleb's car was unlocked. His keys were on the floorboard, his cell phone was located in the glove box, and the battery had been removed but was also lying next to the cell phone in the glove box. Like Coach stated, his car had a half a tank of gas and was not on empty like he had previously told his grandmother. His jacket was also in the car, which is odd because it was very cold the night he left. Now, upon finding all of this, his family immediately reports him missing. So the Gordon County Sheriff's Office officials state that on January 16th and 17th, their deputies searched the area around the Flying J, both on the ground and in the air, but their search yielded nada. What is odd is that the Gordon County Sheriff's Office did not process Caleb's car for evidence. And in my research, the reason the Sheriff's Office stated that they did not process his car was because at the time, they did not believe any crime had taken place. That he was technically a missing person, so there was no reason to process the car just going off of what grandmother said. They were like, okay... Even if it is, a, even if you are just, even if you are just a missing person, you they still should process the car. I agree with you one hundred and ten percent, but that's the reason the sheriff's office came out, and well, that's the reason the sheriff's office stated for not processing. I couldn't find in my research whether or not they ever processed. And in this in this case, it's like you you just see apathy from the from the sheriffs, and it's going to be because. Later, they, they're going to assume that it's drug-related. And we're going to find out later that it is drug-related. But that doesn't ex- being drug-related doesn't excuse apathy. A lot of times, especially in rural Georgia, if they know that you're on drugs or they suspect you're on drugs, they just don't care. We've seen, we've, we've seen plenty of examples of it. And we could go down the whole tangent about how law enforcement has this preconceived notion 
that you are basically a throwaway mm-hmm. if you are a convicted drug user slash mm-hmm. drug supplier. Mm-hmm. And I have a hard time with that because, like anything in life, everyone deserves a second chance. Your past is your past. If you were making strides to leave that past behind and you were trying to do what's right, mm-hmm. then I don't care. Yeah. Short of being a murderer or a child predator. It is important. I'm going to point out that the Rasaka, though it is directly connected, it's on the very fringe of Murray County. It's actually in Gordon County, which is the county south of Murray County. So the Gordon County Sheriff's Office is going to be the one covering the case, not Murray County. Now, on February 3rd of 2020, Caleb's naked body was found five miles from the Flying J in a marshy, overgrown area of the county between Sugar Valley and Hill City communities. To state that those two communities are rural is an understatement. Oh, there's nothing. Absolutely. I don't even... Sugar Valley used to have a train depot, but it doesn't even exist now. I think it's a welcome center or community center. If there's anything in those communities, it's a Dollar General, but I even doubt that there's a Dollar General. I'm not even going to... If you're from Sugar Valley, which I know a really good dude from Sugar Valley. I think there is one. Um, I used to go the back way from my house to Dalton, and we would go through Sugar Valley. And I think the last time, albeit it's been a year, I think there is a, one of them there new Dollar Generals. Well, I mean, those pop up everywhere nowadays. So There's one in the thriving metropolis of uh, Rosedale. <laughs> No way. I swear to God. And Rosedale is a four-way stop sign. Boy, we're getting way, like, I mean, this is the Obscure Georgia Towns podcast. We're going to talk about Tanga next week. No, we're going to Tidings. (laughs) (laughs) So when he was found, he's found in a marsh. Yeah, and he was found by a local person, but I never could find... They were like hunting or something. I couldn't find whether who they were. That it doesn't matter who they were, but I, it never stated a name. Well, he's going to be found in a marsh five miles away from the Flying J. He is going to be butt naked, and he's going to be. It's going to be determined that he died of methamphetamine intoxication. Now, earlier in wait, 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 wait. I got to tell you the the mysterious part of all this. He's going to be found in a marsh, a wet-ass marsh. A wham. <laughs> it wasn't moist. It was wet. Uh, He's naked. But his feet are clean. There is no mud There's upon no, said feet. His feet are clean. He went through a muddy marsh, walked, supposedly walked, for five miles butt naked because his clothes are never going to be found. And he's going to end up dying in a wet-ass marsh with pristinely clean feet. Now, in a strange coincidence, earlier in the day, the fire department had been dispatched to the same area in reference to a brush fire. And no one can tell you whether or not that fire has any relation to the case or why the fire department never stumbled upon his body. Yeah, the, the fire, yeah they didn't find him. His remains were not affected by the fire, however. Now, like Coach stated, there were many shoe prints near where his body was found, yet he was found without shoes and socks on. He had no mud or dirt on the bottoms of his feet, despite being in a, what do you call it, a wham? A wet-ass marsh. (laughs) 
The only get a bucket and a mop. It's a wet ass mosh. The only plausible explanation is that someone carried his body to the location where it was located. His family was not allowed to identify him, possibly because of the state of his remains were in since he was outside for several days in said wham. There has never been any of his clothing found. And it is extremely unlikely. It's important to point out that though the area he was in was rural, it is a a supposed five-mile walk, and there was no eyewitness report of seeing a naked man a naked walking. Naked man walking, and that's what I was about to say. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go. I mean, that's it's what I was going to say is it's highly unlikely a naked man walked five miles in the wee hours of the morning and no one saw him. The low temperatures for January 17th, when he disappeared, was 39 degrees, and Which I, for Georgia's cold. And the thing is, I think. It was, I think when his body was found, there was a light dusting of snow on the ground because some of the pictures I found showed some oh, some you, snow. Well, you found pictures. I didn't find pictures. You should send those to me. I'd like to see It's that. on uh, Web Sleuths. But uh, yeah, I'll send you the link. Okay. But anyway, send me the link, uh, people are like, well, it, you know, it also rained a couple of days before they found his body. I don't care. If you are... No, no, no. Let me. Back Are they up. trying to say that the rain washed his feet? Yep. No. If you have ever stepped in mud barefooted for a pro- prolonged time, like you had to walk in a muddy situation in bare feet, you're not just hosing them feet off and no. getting all of it off. You scrubbing. There's mud between your toes. There's mud under your toenails. Mm-hmm. If you got one in my bunions, it's called caked on it. <laughs> but again, I have a hard time believing. That he paradoxically undressed due to the meth consumption and walked five miles. Now, I'm not going to... I'm No, I call bullshit. Though, though I don't believe that that's what happened, I, it is possible that the meth caused him to overheat. People smoke meth, get overheated. It's a fucking... It's an extreme stimulant. It is, but you're going to start shedding clothes, and that's, that's going to be between the Flying J and... You're right. Where the, the body's yeah, at. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree because they didn't find any clothes that I disagree with that assumption. And people, said But I'm not he, denying the possibility. People said he walked into the marsh and succumbed to the elements there. No, because they never stated that they found footprints. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good they point. Found they found shoe was, imprints. There was, yeah. And they, nobody knows if the person who found him walked up and their shoe prints were around the body. Mm-hmm. But they found no bare feet prints in said wet-ass marsh. And that would be extremely apparent because you're never going to mistake shoe prints for footprints. No. It's not going to happen. So now the initial report stated that, quote, no immediate indications of violence were apparent. Caleb's body was sent to the GBI crime lab. And for those of you out of the state, that is the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Oh, Jesus Christ. You think they couldn't figure that out? And the autopsy (laughs) revealed, quote, no indications of violence or evidence of foul play. The toxicology results, however, told a different story. It showed Caleb had died as a result of, quote, meth intoxication, and the death was ruled, quote, accidental. Well, I mean, I'm just going to jump in and say that the explanation I would think for that would be that he OD'd 
in someone's car, someone else's car. So he met with somebody and they were smoking. He OD'd. He died. And they they dumped him. They just dumped him because right. they were scared. Right. And they stripped him of all his clothes because, hey, what if there's DNA on here? What if there's DNA of my, my DNA on his clothes? Or in your case, your dog hair got on my clothes after you killed me. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I cannot kill anyone because they will find dog hair for sure. There you go. As he shakes. As he shakes. That would be the reasonable explanation, though I don't, I mean, surely to God there would be some sort of surveillance footage of him leaving. There's, They don't. But there's not because the Flying J didn't have any fucking surveillance cameras outside. They didn't have any outside? No. I mean, there I'm, is none pointing to the I'm, pumps. There's none <laughs> at the pumps. There's none in the back of the parking lot where the restaurant side's at. Nothing. And that's hard to believe. In 2020, if you got an operating restaurant and a truck stop on the side of a major interstate, you're not going to have surveillance of the parking lot and the pumps? Yeah, that's wild. I mean, to, I mean, I know you all pay at the pump now, but... It ain't a major interstate in Georgia. It's the interstate in Georgia. Like, I-75 is, I mean, you can, you can talk your I-20s and you can talk your 285. That's bullshit. <laughs> 75's the way to go. 85, fuck that. Man, we're talking I-75. Even that, though supposedly 85's a dumping ground. I am, maybe. But anyway. Back on case. If you live in northwest Georgia, that is the interstate. You can't get anywhere. Unless you got to go on the 75 But we're getting too personal. All right, so <laughs> just two days after Caleb went missing, 20-year-old Keeslin. So he, okay, so he so he was found. How many days was he found until he was he found? He disappeared January ni- or 16th, 16th slash 17th, early mornings of the 17th. He was not found until February 3rd, okay. so almost two and a half weeks. I got you. But yeah, two days later. 20-year-old Keeslin Noel Roberts disappeared from the same Flying J truck stop. And she's from Chatsworth, Georgia. But there's no indication that these two people knew each other. Nobody, none of their friends, none of their family could connect them together. So it's seemingly coincidental, but one hell of a coincidence. And what's even odder than that, they actually lived on the same street. Caleb lived at 4673 Old Federal Road in Chatsworth. Oh, Federal Road, baby. And Keeslin's address was 4871 Old Federal Road. So it is highly possible that they knew each other, but they may not have run in the same circles. It may have been an acquaintance. They, You know, there's so-and-so. Dep- what was their ages again? She, she, she was, was, he was 19. She was what? 20. So yeah, they definitely went to high school together. At the very least, they At went the to high school. At the very least, and they knew of each other. Now they probably didn't run in the same circles, or it would have been found in in everything that I've researched. But it's been stated by the Gordon County Sheriff's Office that these incidents are not connected. Keelan, I'm sorry, Keeslin was better known by her nickname Butterfly. And at the time of her disappearance, she stood five foot six and weighed approximately 125 pounds. She has blue blue eyes, blonde hair, and a tattoo of a sea turtle on her lower right arm. Her ears are also gauged, and when she does not have her gauges in, the holes are large enough to be noticed. Okay, Old Federal Road is 
a very small road in actually Eton, Georgia, which is just north of Chatsworth. They're like literally a mile apart. It's the same county. It's the same town. The only difference is Eton sells liquor and Chatsworth don't. But so that means they went to North Murray High School together. They had to know each other. They might not have ran in the same circles, but they at least had to know each other's name. Or at the very least, they were recognizable if they passed. Because it's a, it's a small town with only two high schools, and just there's just no way. They had to at least know each other. Now, Keeslin's family lived in Dalton, and this is where her father, Eric, ran his own trucking company, Eric Roberts Trucking. At the time of her disappearance, she was living with a boyfriend on Federal Road in Chatsworth. On January 17th, Keeslin was scheduled to attend a probation meeting with the Whitfield County Sheriff's Office in relation to a 2018 drug charge. She failed to attend the meeting, and an active probation violation warrant was issued from Whitfield County for Keeslin. Well, when we say drug charge, we have to clarify that it's just marijuana. Who gives a flying fuck about marijuana? Well, I saw where she was busted with uh, the arrest record was meth. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. That's not what I saw in my, my research on the YouTube. See, we'll get to it. I mean, see, I got that, 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 that's, that's interesting because it's a good place to point out the fact that even though widely known stories, you can get misinformation from anywhere. That's, I mean, who knows? I'm going to take your, I'm going to take your word for it because. Well, and the other thing that I saw was that this drug charge had happened not in 2018. I had seen reports she had just went before a judge, and so this was like her initial probation meeting, Mm. which wouldn't have been 2018. Mm. I promise you, if you want to get some meth... You're in the right place. You're in the right part of Georgia, buddy. Let me tell you. She was last seen at the Flying J truck stop as she entered an employee-only entrance at the Denny's part of the gas station. She was told by an employee that she was not allowed to be back there. Now, she enters and exits this back entrance to the restaurant several times. And the last time she came in, she got into an altercation with an employee. And she got the hell out of Dodge because the other employees called police. And she is seen leaving the back door of Denny's minutes before police arrive. And that's the last time she will be seen. And entering an entrance you're not supposed to enter several times definitely gives off the vibes of intoxication Yeah, to me. She left behind her backpack, which an employee handed over to the police when they arrived. Yeah, she literally, like, she just drops It's almost like everything. that. Like, she ran out of her shoes almost. Yeah. Like, I'm getting, I know the cops are coming. I'm getting the she hell out of here. She dropped her bag, which contained her wallet, her cell phone, her keys. Everything. Inside the backpack was a debit card, her ID, some cash, a phone charger, her wallet, and a press release from the Gordon County Sheriff's Office confirms that they were indeed called to the truck stop that day about a suspicious female. On January 20th of 2020, her family began searching for her and discovered her white Toyota Corolla parked in the far corner of the back parking lot of the Flying J. Now, she is parked very close to where he was parked. Five spaces apart. Five spaces apart, and they both backed in, which no clue if that had 
any connection. It could have just been coincidence. It's just, I mean, it's so coincidental, but it's also odd. Yeah, very odd. It's like you want to make a connection to that. Yeah. Now, inside her Corolla... Um, I've always I've always heard that people that back into parking spots think they're better than everybody else. Hmm. I've never <laughs> heard that. <laughs> Maybe that's the case. They found the majority of her belongings still inside her car, and this would include her purse, but could find no sign of her in the area. While Keeslin was officially reported missing with the Murray County Sheriff's Office that day, investigators would not be made aware of the vehicle's discovery until a few days later on January 29th. And if you if you if you think to yourself, man, I think I've heard of the Murray County Sheriff's Department before. Well, they made worldwide news for tasing a 85-year-old woman that was cutting flowers with a fucking butter knife. And she has dementia, wouldn't put the knife down because she has dementia and they tased her. You know, Granny can get out of control with a butter knife. <laughs> My I just happened to know an old woman that said she'd put one in the crack of your ass. Listen. <laughs> I'm not condoning a, that. I'm, that was tongue-in-cheek. It's no. amazing how many people I know from high school that are now Murray County sheriffs and police officers. And we touched on this in another episode. While this area is not as rural as some of the little towns in Arkansas that we have covered in past cases, it does lead credence to the fact that they're not getting the brightest bulbs in the basket. I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not going to say that. But I'm just saying the man that tased the 85 year old woman should not have done that. No, he should have been let go immediately. Oh God, no. Uh, the the sheriff. I mean the the chief of police was on ABC News, whom I wrestled with in high school. He's now the chief of police. Defended that man. Mm-mm. There's no defending. There was that. no. Punishment whatsoever to that man. There is uh, absolutely no. That is an indefensible action. So, well, she had a knife though. Well, it was she may have had some country crock right there with the flowers. <laughs> now, while Keeslin was officially reported, like I stated, with Murray County, the Gordon County Sheriff's Office and the Murray County Sheriff's Office would start a joint investigation into her disappearance. There are some news outlets out there that have stated that Keeslin told witnesses that she was at the truck stop because she had arranged a meeting with an unnamed male acquaintance. This has never been confirmed. Keeslin's father, Eric, said that Keeslin was a known meth user and she had been arrested. And this is where the discrepancy comes in. She had been arrested a week before her disappearance for selling meth, but her probation violation was in 2018. So, again, there's some misinformation out there. So, the 2018 could have been the marijuana. The marijuana. Yeah, and you're right. caught with meth. Yeah. So, but if you've got a prior drug, they're going to hold your ass for probation violation. Not necessarily. If you have a 2018 marijuana charge and they bust you for selling meth, you're not getting out of jail. They want that money, bro. Well, I understand that, and it may lead... Credits to he was he is very well known in Dalton. He owns a major trucking company right off the interstate. He is so so okay. So he owns a major trucking company in Dalton, and they're from Dalton. But she lived with a boyfriend in so, Chatsworth. Okay, so it's possible that they didn't know each other. They just happened to live on the same road. It's possible that she went to Dalton or Northwest Whitfield or whatever. Correct. I got you. So 
we definitely can't make the obvious connection that they knew but they lived other. on the same road and like you stated that's a that's a small road bro it's, i've lived in this i've lived at this address well, that's because you're a damn asshole and you don't I've, talk to your neighbors <laughs> don't spoil the story <laughs> i've lived at this address for seven years and I'm, i may know three fucking people here. i know my next door neighbor to the left I have not spoken to any other neighbor ever. And the only reason why I know those neighbors is because they're drinkers and they're wealthy and they ask me to come over and drink with them. Mute point, but... I said, booze? Hell yeah, I like We're booze. friends. Does this make us friends? <laughs> booze? Hell yeah, I like booze. Now, getting into Keeslin's missing person investigation, initially, like I stated, they were jointly being handled by both Murray County and Gordon County Sheriff's Office. But in October of 2020, it was taken over by the GBI. There was initially a rumor that Keeslin had simply been staying with her boyfriend as she was known to be living with him at the time. However, when spoken to by her father, Eric, he revealed that the boyfriend had not seen his daughter in a few days. Any calls... Which, again... I'm not trashing the the young lady. I'm just saying that is pretty typical of drug users to disappear. I ain't saying she was on it. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying. Circumstantial evidence. Yeah, very circumstantial. Any calls to Keeslin's cell phone go straight to voicemail. It is believed that she had her phone in her possession when she left Denny's and ran out since it was not found in her backpack nor her car. The cell phone is either off or the battery is dead once family members and investigators start calling it. Now, the local community came together and helped launch a social media campaign to help raise awareness about Keeslin's case. They helped in organizing volunteer searches. One such such (laughs) search involved four-wheelers, aerial drones, and spanned approximately 100 acres around the area where Caleb's body was found, while another search was in a wooded area near the Flying J truck stop. In March of 2020, right before the Rona hit, some of Keeslin's clothes were found in a fern bush behind a dumpster in the parking lot of the truck stop. So she goes missing in January, and they find her clothes behind a dumpster in March. I, for one, do not believe those clothes were there for that long. It's possible, but very unlikely. Highly unlikely. The way it was described in one news article that I read was it was almost kind of like a windblown, like her clothes had been blown up on like a a little shrub and kind of got intertwined in the, the branches. Keeslin's father has tried to put up a missing persons flyer at the Flying J truck stop, but was told he would not be able to. There has also been controversy surrounding the lack of lighting and surveillance footage outside of the building at the Flying J. In regard to this, a change.org petition was created by a user going by the name Lord Farquad to try and implement a change that would require the company to install security cameras overlooking the parking lot. Its aim was 5,000 digital signatures, and I have no idea if they ever made their goal. Her father is currently offering a $10,000 cash reward, no questions asked, 
for information leading to his daughter's location. In order to better fund it, he set up a GoFundMe fundraiser, which has a goal of 20000 and is still currently taking donations. Eric has been very vocal about the case and consi- consistently speaks to the public in order to help bring awareness to it. He has stated that he has a hard time believing Keeslin would have disappeared on her own and feels there are people out there who know what happened but are not talking. Investigators have interviewed numerous people who Keeslin was known to associate with, as well as the man she is said to have been meeting at the Flying J. No information regarding these interviews have been released. There have been numerous unconfirmed sightings of Keeslin or a woman, match, a woman matching her description by truckers across the United States. And the cities that she was supposedly seen in were South Bend, Indiana, Dallas, Texas, and Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Eric, her father, has expressed concerns regarding how the police, in particular the Murray County Sheriff's Office, has handled the investigation. He claims that Detective Eric White is not doing all he can to find his daughter, stating that the Sheriff's Office has not made an effort to obtain security footage from the Flying J or check Keeslin's phone records. He has also shared that he has provided the detective with a list of possible persons of interest and other information but feels the leads are not being investigated. Eric's fears are also shared by those on social media who feel investigators are not taking the case seriously due to Keeslin's criminal record. So I did find a Facebook post going back to Caleb's case, and his mom posted, and this is a quite a long post, so I'm going to read it for our listeners now. She states, I am a firm believer that God works in mysterious ways. Now, with that being said, what are the odds or chances of two young people, Caleb and Keeslin, both blue eyes, brown, and blonde hair, both 21 and 20, both coming up missing from the exact same Flying J truck truck stop in Resaca, Georgia, within two days of each other, regardless of any warrant or court date? Both having their cars both backed in identically the same exact way, no, not pulled in, but both of each of their cars backed into very backside of parking lot with no camera footage of where they went or who they went with and their vehicles being left with most of their belongings in it. For Caleb, it was his coat, as cold as it was the early morning of his disappearance. His car keys left, just left behind in the floorboard of the driver's side of his car. His cell phone battery taken out of his cell phone and locked in the dash. I don't understand how police and detectives working on my son's case, doesn't see any suspicious activity with all of this. I know my son, and I know he wouldn't have ever willfully left his car with his keys or much less his cell phone like that. He would have been worried someone would have bothered his car and his stuff. Keeslin still hasn't been found. I feel like in my heart this has nothing to do with a court date and a warrant. God knows this situation, and I pray for some answers. My son wouldn't have gone out in the middle of the woods five miles away from the Flying J truck stop where his car was found, left abandoned, and just went walking in a muddy marsh that he's never been to or familiar with and taken all of his clothes off in the cold. He doesn't have any friends in Sugar Valley. He does not know anyone in Sugar Valley. This is absolutely absurd and insulting to his family. 
for him to be found with no clothes, shoes, or anything is so wrong on so many levels. This is big red flags for me, his mom, who has known Caleb for 21 years. I pray that Keeslin is found safe and that her family doesn't have to endure the pain that I have had to, that his little sisters and brothers have had to, with their brother's sudden disappearance and death. The pain our entire family has had to suffer for him being missing for two weeks and then detective calling us to say they found a body that looks like him with no clothes on and we have been told the clothes were never found. Then you got this mysterious fire that was magically started as rainy as it had been. Who started the fire? Where are my son's clothes? We don't have the answer yet, but my God does know what happened to him. These two young people deserve justice. I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm just not believing that they both just vanished from the same Flying J store and cases are not connected. I am not believing that this is a coincidence. I've watched detective cases myself and some bad people who think they can be above the law or think they can commit crimes like these and not get caught and thinks it's okay to abduct or hurt the ones whose lives seem troubled or who are battling with some type of addiction or bad folks think they're homeless and that they have no family that cares about them. Well, these two young people may have had some problems, but after speaking with Keeslin's parents and knowing their daughter and us knowing our son, we know our children best, and we know that they wouldn't just go off and do some stuff like this, and it doesn't take a genius to figure out something is not right with this situation. At the Flying J truck stop in Resaca, Georgia, people don't just go randomly disappearing and missing from the exact same spot every day. Well, these two young people do have family, lots of family and friends who do care about them. The news can make things look and appear a certain way when in an actual reality, reality, things are much different and important details about how similar these two disappearances and cases are to each other are not being told. Details are being left out. The property where my son's body was found and where the fire was started at that day happens to be for sale. We are all asking for help. If anyone knows anything, saw anything, please come forward. If anyone knows who the man is in the video that my son talks to several times, please come forward with any information. This was the last time he was seen on camera on January 16th, 2020. There are no cameras outside in the parking lot of the Flying J on the side of Denny's restaurant where his car was found backed in and abandoned. Lighting is also poor in that parking lot. Keeslin's car was also found backed in the same way as Caleb's two days later. In the pictures below... Looks like quite a few cars backed in back parking lot. On 2-8, there were no cars backed in the back row of this parking lot. Only one yellow or white box truck with a Missouri license plate. All other vehicles in back row of parking lot were not there, just empty. I kind of found that strange. That was her long post on Facebook. And while I agree with some of her points, this is a mother that is in deep pain wanting answers and she feels like just like Keeslin's dad feels that there are things not being done that should be done and like coach stated earlier the apathy is inexcusable 
Now, there was a user on WebSleuths going by the username Woolridge, and he posted, I drove down to the truck stop and around the area. I was there around 9 a.m., and it was fairly busy with both truckers and motorists. The parking lot was crowded, but the car lot located on the right side of the building seemed fairly secluded. There is also a truck lot behind the building that was secluded. There were very few, if any, cameras in the parking lot. I say all this to mean that even with the traffic, I believe someone could easily slip away or vanish from the parking lots without much attention. As someone else in the web sluice thread pointed out, there is a river right behind the area that appeared quite deep. To the immediate east, there are many fields, empty lots, wooded areas, etc. To the west is Highway 136, which goes through Johns Mountain WMA, which is heavily forested with hills, mountains, etc. It is relatively isolated. The Gordon County Sheriff's Office is less than five minutes from the truck stop. I'm not attempting to make any comment on the Gordon County law enforcement, but from viewing the area, I could see how a person disappearing could leave little evidence as to their whereabouts. I'm interested in why Keeslin's car being found wasn't reported to law enforcement until the 29th, even though family members stated they found it on the 20th or 21st. Also, I know that law enforcement does not believe there is any connection between Keeslin and Caleb, but his body was found near Sugar Valley, which is not far off Highway 136. This is just two cases that are extremely odd you know, mysterious circumstances surrounding both of them. There's not been a lot of information released about either Caleb or Keeslin from law enforcement. I know that the GBI is now handling both cases, but, you know, for this to have happened less than a year, well, oh, just, um, over just over a year, a year ago. Yeah. You, I don't know, you would think there would be more to it, but... Unfortunately, that's the facts that we have on both of these disappearances slash death of Caleb Smith. Uh, we get into our theories, and these run the gamut if you read any of the message boards, um, and you can come up with your own. But I think Caleb was taken to that area because just on the sheer fact of his feet, someone dumped that body there. Someone knows something. Something happened if it was an accidental drug overdose. And I had read somewhere that said that for you to overdose on meth, it is possible, but you have to inject it or you have to swallow a big amount of, like, the actual product. And they found no track marks or needle marks on Caleb, according to the autopsy. I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know much about it, but... Well, I had, unfortunately, I read all six pages of the web sleuths, and there's a ton of dr- ex-drug users on there. This is my theory, and I truly go- I'm truly going to say that I think it is coincidence. Between the two cases? I think it's a coincidence, yes. I do, too. I, 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 Though we don't have the information of why she traveled to the Flying J. Just to meet a man, but supposedly that man's been in- interviewed by police, and there's no... Yeah, so... I mean, we don't know. For, I meant to say we don't know for sure. Right. My We've question heard, is, why is she going in and out of the damn back of the restaurant? I'm think, and like you said, I'm thinking she's high. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. If if she wasn't, I'm r- completely wrong. But 
I mean, it's just the actions of that make me think that she was intoxicated. Well, Dad's come out, and he's, like, made no bones about it. Yeah. He's like, look, you know, she had some problems, but that uh, does not excuse the fact that she just disappeared. I think he went in. I think he went in there. I think he was high. You think Caleb was high? Yes. I think Caleb might have. Well, I mean, he died of meth intoxication. He's at the Flying J. I would really like to know what time he left his house. That's this information I would love to know, but I don't know that. Yeah, because if he left at, like, 9 p.m., why is he only— Because we're talking— how far is he from, from Eton to Resaca? We're talking 15 minutes. Third, no, no, no. It's about 30 minutes. 30, 40 minutes. 40 minutes at the most. 40 minutes if you could call it every single solitary red light. So if he left at midnight, he, it, let's just, if he left at midnight, he walks in at 1240. And, it's po- and it's calls, definitely possible. Then calls his grandmother and says, I don't have the gas. But why? My question is, why are you leaving at midnight to go to Rome? Yeah, because Rome is at that time would have been dead by the time he got. I there. mean, you're going to your friend's house to hang out again. I mean, who knows what young people are doing and what time? I I can't confirm because I'm fucking old as shit. But to me, it makes me think he was on his way back. Yeah, or I'm, he wasn't on his way at all. I'm with you. I would love to know when he left his. Grandmother's house. But I'm thinking that he got, he met someone there, got in their car. That was one of the theories I read. Got in their car, got fucked up and died, and they got scared and dumped him. They stripped him and dumped him. I want to know. I think a few days later, two days later, she ended up in the same place for whatever reason, and she was messed up. And she, bottom line, she's an attractive girl. Blonde hair, blue eyes. Blonde hair, blue eyes, 20-year-old attractive girl. She might have been messed up, and a truck driver might have got her. Like kidnapped her or something, or she hitched a ride. But I'm going to say that I truly think that this is not related and coincidental. It just so happens to be extremely strange. But coincidences happen. The th- on Caleb's situation, I had read a theory that stated that it, they felt like that this was, it could have been a first-time meth use. And maybe he got a hold of something mm-hmm. that was Maybe not, it was laced, yeah. yeah that's what they were saying. spiked. And then and it that, fucked him up, and he had, like, convulsions. And then He could they, have been allergic to one of the ingredients or something and just had a bad reaction. I'm, I, that's, I mean, 100% possible. But, yeah, but... You will never convince me that his body, he put himself in that swamp. There's no way. No, 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 no. He didn't. You can't do that and have clean feet. You no. just can't. You can't walk on asphalt and have clean feet. No, no, not at all. You you definitely can't walk in a grocery store. No. <laughs> and you sure as hell ain't going to walk in a wham without getting mud in your toenails. No doubt. But, I mean, stranger things have happened. Coming to a t-shirt near you, wham, wet-ass <laughs> marsh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, stranger things have happened, and I'm just going to side with the coincidental. And I'm not. I'm, I'm with you on her. I th- I think she ran out and flagged someone down. I got to get the fuck out of here. I can't take my car. Yeah, she may. She, and she yeah. unfortunately hopped in the wrong vehicle. I think that's most likely what happened with her because truck trucker truck stops are notorious for lot lizards and nefarious deeds going on for sure. And I'm I'm sad to to say that I think that's what happened to her. Um, 
Yeah, with him, he definitely didn't dump. He didn't go out there by himself. No. I'm thinking he just had a bad reaction and died, and then we've just seen an extraordinarily coincidence, extraordinary coincidence, in my personal opinion. But maybe it's not a big coincidence as you think if we're talking about the meth world. You know, it may not be. It may. I mean, we have no idea. Maybe the flying J is in in that in those circles is notorious for a place where you can get high quality meth, and they may have. Somebody on WebSleuth said, and they had I didn't copy it, but they said they went through the amount of missing people or people that go missing from a flying J and wind up dead within a couple of days later is astronomical. He listed like 12. Not that flying J. No, no, no. Just He's a saying, flying J. I got you. He said in the state of Georgia there were seven cases. There's two from that one. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of flying J's. Yeah, I'm Georgia. not saying that it's just, but they're saying that kind of like you said, it's kind of known that if you're looking for something, you can find it at a truck stop. And one of the most popular ones, unfortunately, are flying J's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's odd, man. Beyond our normal... Odd shit. This is extremely odd. Recommendations? Well, I have a very specific recommendation. I'm going to recommend something for one person only. Oh, this ought to be good. And I'm going to recommend that my wife gets a pair of those TikTok leggings that everybody's wearing. Those honeycomb leggings. Uh, uh, if you're listening, she coach, please invest a little bit of money in one of those because I would love to see you wear those. Because your booty is beautiful to begin with, and that can only help. So that's my very, very specific recommendation. (laughs) I am going to go way off the rails and recommend, and I think you've recommended this before, but it is a YouTube video, but this is a specific YouTube video on the Hot Ones channel. And it is Jeffrey Dean Morgan eating spicy wings. He cannot feel his face and he explains it over and over and I laughed so hard at that one. Yeah, it's a really good episode. They did one recently on Paris Hilton and I could not possibly possibly have been less interested interested in what she had to say but I was mesmerized to find out if she could finish all 10 wings and she did. You gotta respect that. That's true. She, uh, because DJ Khalid fucking pussy ass did like two and was like oh do this dog this ain't for me dog like and then you got 125 pound <laughs> you got 120 uh, that's hot like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's hot these wings are so hot but i'm gonna chuck like, them down but she did it she i mean the the last dab apollo was like five million scovels which is not i mean if you if you're you find texas pete hot it's like 1300 scovels we're talking five million so don't i mean if you want to watch a train wreck watch it but she gets through (laughs) god all right ladies and gentlemen you got anything else there slappy i sure don't all right tune in next week deuces